Hey there, welcome to the 412 Canada podcast. Thanks for joining us. My name is Kim Hutchins and at 412, we're equipping the church for greater influence through serving. 412 is a ministry of Faith Baptist Church in Huntsville, Ontario. Now, we're excited about our mission of equipping you as you serve and lead. But if we're honest to one another, hasn't this just been a crazy and weird year for serving? I mean, when was the last time you actually served or worked alongside your volunteer team at your church? I know that there are some people who are serving through this season, especially with the production of online content and social media. But there are many people who have probably not served in like a year. Some of your churches in Canada have opened up for in-person services, and many haven't. That's crazy. I'm finding that it's only when I didn't have the in-person connection with others, like my teammates, that I realized how vital they were to my spiritual, emotional, and mental well-being. And probably like at your church, here at Faith Baptist Church in Huntsville, we've been seeking to lean into nurturing or even just maintaining community through digital means. On Sundays with our worship services, through video conferencing and Instagram Live. But as we've done that, there's a digital fatigue that has just set in. So we want to serve and we want you to serve and we want to equip you, but as many right now aren't able to serve in that same way as they used to, and they're trying to stay connected with one another digitally, but they're just worn out. Is that you? Are you feeling overloaded? Well, we're going to address that head on today on the podcast. And while this podcast is for those who serve or lead volunteers in the local church, we know that your health at home, physical, spiritual, emotional, mental, that all influences your health as you serve on your team. Our guest today is Dr. Rob Meter, and he is the Director of Family, Child, and Youth Mental Health at Waypoint Center for Mental Health Care. His practice focuses exclusively on children and teens with mental health and behavior problems. Dr. Meter is also one of the hosts of the Smart Family Podcast, which offers practical advice for all family relationships. This conversation is really a continuation from this past fall when we had Rob up to faith for a parenting event called Parenting in the Digital Age. We'll link a video of that event in the show notes, and I believe this episode is going to be an encouragement to you today. Here's something that Dr. Meter will talk about that was such an encouragement to me. He said that anxiety is often rooted in the future we can't predict or the past that we can't change. Wow, so much to unpack in that statement. And we'll get into that in this episode. But before we get started, I wanted to invite you to stick around to the end of the episode where I'll chat a little about how we're changing some of our plans as we look ahead as a ministry. I can't wait to share with you what we've come up with to continue to help you practically. Again, stick around till the end and I'll share some of those details as we look ahead to the spring and beyond. But right now, let's head into our conversation with pediatrician Dr. Rob Meter, in which he shares some great tips for setting healthy limits with technology, explores mental health and anxiety, and talks about how to collaboratively problem solve as a family. All that and more on today's episode. 
Welcome to the 412 Canada podcast. Do you serve or lead volunteers in the local church? Are there days when you feel less than equipped to make the kind of impact that you want to make in your role or in your organization? Through this podcast, we're equipping the church for greater influence through serving. Thanks for joining us. Canada podcast and tonight I'm super excited to be talking to Dr. Rob Nieder. He is a pediatrician in Midland and uh, he's a speaker and he talks about everything that is pediatric mental health related and we had him up at Faith just a few weeks ago and he did a fantastic job talking about technology and social media and uh, if you did not hear that chat I highly recommend that you listen to it. So I hope that you enjoy what he has to say tonight as we carry on and our conversation from uh, that night, and uh, we'll get into a few other things. So, Dr. Rob, thank you for being here, or Rob. Thank, yeah, <laughs> thank you, Kim. It is so great to join you today, and uh, such a privilege to talk more about this topic and maybe any, any other topics that uh, might pop up in our uh, time together here tonight. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. Now, you have a passion for helping families, and specifically mental health-related. Can you tell us a little bit about how that came about how did you get involved in that well like almost all of our listeners i am part of a family so mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and uh grew up in a family of course uh, with, with with four uh with my three siblings where there was four kids and um and very early on you know i was always interested in science i became a doctor mm-hmm. and pediatrician so i i loved kids and um and, and working with kids and initially, I, um, you know, I I was doing the regular pediatrics. I I, I worked as a as a general pediatrician at a hospital in Orillia. Mm-hmm. Uh, did sort of all the, the the stuff that you would expect a pediatrician to do, like look <laughs> after sick babies mm-hmm. and you know asthma clinics and diabetes and you know covering the emergency department. And part of the job that 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 all of us were a little bit hesitant about uh, mm-hmm. because we didn't get a lot of training in it was mental health. Wow. And mm-hmm. um, it, it's interesting because I now see, you know, mental health as being almost a foundation for all other health issues mm-hmm. uh, in a sense that, you know, um, it, uh, struggling with mental health can make almost any uh, physical uh, issue so much worse. Mm-hmm. A- and in fact, uh, in many cases now, we have shown a real direct link between mental health and subsequent physical health. Yeah. So I was, but we, we don't get a lot of training on this as a no. pediatric residents. And, um, and when, so when we started our practice, it's sort of like you get all these young pediatricians <laughs> who are just starting out with family life for their own suddenly get yeah. thrown into this like, hey, help our family through this crisis. Mm-hmm. And what's wrong with our our son or our daughter who's really struggling with depression, anxiety? Mm-hmm. And we kind of learn it on the fly. And so for about 10 years, <laughs> that's what I was doing. Oh, man. And, uh, and, and, and then, but getting better at it and better at it, I think, you know, getting more comfortable with it at least. Yeah. And, uh, and then about five years ago, there was an opportunity for me to um, do this full time and oh, wow. uh, sort of leave all the other aspects of pediatrics behind it a little bit and focus on mental health uh, specifically. And I was a little bit nervous about it at first because, you know, this was. That would be that so nerve wracking. Yeah. Just stepping out to do that full time. Wow. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, but uh, over the last several years, um, it's really become a passion of mine. And, uh, and then I uh, was able to move to Waypoint Center for Mental Health uh, Care in uh, Midland or in mm-hmm. Penetanguishene, actually, which is in central Ontario. And um, being able to uh, really start up a program there for family, child, and youth mental health. Mm-hmm. And I, I purposely put the word family in there because, you know, almost no child exists apart from that family nucleus. In fact, once kids do, it is really a tragic thing Mm -hmm. and really detrimental to their physical and mental health. But every child hopefully is part of a family and how that family unit functions so much impacts on how the child functions um, and vice versa. It goes Mm -hmm. both ways. So that's sort of the um, nutshell version of how I got from, (laughs) you know, Living in my own family um, uh, uh, as a one of four siblings to being a physician now and talking about mental health in families, uh, specifically children as a pediatrician, of course, mm-hmm. but really relating that to parenting and, and the parents as well. Mm-hmm. Now, aside from all of that, because that's your work and your professional life, um, yeah. is there something that you've been doing for fun during this crazy COVID season that we've been in? <laughs> such a long oh man (laughs) so COVID has been so crazy Mm -hmm. you know when we started all of this um it 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 was such an unknown you know Mm -hmm. none of us knew really what was happening it just came and hit us like I remember you know I I was lucky I our whole extended family went for a trip down south um to uh, the Caribbean for a week uh, last winter and it was February and I remember looking on my phone, you know, kind of at the news and what was happening. And I was like, oh, yeah, there's this cruise ship, you know, that's uh, not doing too well. You know, got this <laughs> outbreak. And, of course, we'd heard about Disney cruises in the past, you know, with some kind yeah. of outbreak. And we thought, oh, this, but this one looks a little more serious. But, you know, we didn't think much of it. And my parents were heading for a cruise. And then suddenly, you know, that <laughs> became a worldwide <laughs> pandemic within, like, two months yeah we were all forced to recalibrate my whole practice changed our whole life changed Mm -hmm. um we actually had some very serious uh issues in my family with with COVID actually um and uh so both my parents got very sick with coronavirus uh very early on my dad was in the icu for eight days on a ventilator and my mom who was already struggling with lung cancer um, then uh, also got coronavirus that same week. Now both they both survived, oh yeah. fortunately. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, but they were very, very seriously ill during that time, and it was a scary time. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, my daughter, uh, my second oldest, was in France. <laughs> you know, oh my goodness! On an exchange, and oh, we had wow. to really like just work so hard <laughs> to get her back. So that was our introduction to yeah. COVID. Oh man! And you know, but we, but we. Once everybody was safe and we were kind of over that first (laughs) hump, we were like, okay, what are we going to do now? And there was no school. And so we really had to improvise and think of some things that we could do now Mm -hmm. when we were locked at home, uh, (laughs) locked, you know, locked down at home like everybody else was. There was not much you could do with friends. All activities had stopped. And so, you know, so we we did keep busy. We had we actually I think we'll look back at this time Mm -hmm. with the family, like with with my four kids and Rose and I as being a um, actually a um, edifying time for our family, a time of so growth. Good. 
Mm-hmm. And um, but uh, unfortunately, I know that that's not the experience of a lot of families out there, mm-hmm. uh, especially ones who I follow in my practice as well. It's been a struggle for many, many families, and it is now. You know, we're six, seven months in, and unfortunately, coronavirus is really um, hitting family relationships very hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it as is. You probably imagine. Yeah, yeah. For not everybody, it's been fertile ground, right? Um, those of us, we no. Can definitely see it as a blessing for uh, many of us but yeah for some it's definitely not i mean Um, you try i think to to see like the silver lining you know mm -hmm. um when it comes to these sorts of crisis situations and you know is there a positive side to it and i I, yeah i like i said you know this this could have been a time when your family got close together we've never had dinner as much together as we've had in the last six months yeah Rose and I often <laughs> say to each other, you know, if this had been a year ago, we would have been driving our kids to basketball and mm-hmm. volleyball and, you know, um, youth groups here and, and different events there. And we would have been doing our own meetings in <laughs> Toronto, whatever. We would have been driving all over the place. And, you know, that's all slowed down, if not stopped completely yeah. and forced us to really hunker down together much more than we have in the past. And if that was hard before the pandemic, I guarantee you that would be harder in a pandemic Mm -hmm. and i think that's why you know families that were already having a difficult time pre-pandemic um are now finding that you know those elastics are snapping and we are um, having some real difficulties in some families we know the statistics are not good on domestic violence on child abuse um, family breakups uh, separations and uh, and unfortunately, the effects of that are going to be felt for years, if not decades, in children undergoing um, uh, going through those scenarios. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and hopefully our chat today will definitely be encouraging for parents and maybe help some families, right? Um, I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. And let's talk about that parenting night when you were here at Faith. And uh, you spoke about digital media. And then there's mm-hmm. this book that you recommended by Arlene Pelican. And uh, that was called Screen Kids, right? And there was a grandparent mm. one as well, correct? What was That's correct. Yeah. yeah her <laughs> book. So she just wrote a book with um, Gary Chapman uh, called mm-hmm. Screen Kids and Grandparenting Screen Kids. Um, I think there's a subtitle there as well, but I don't have it in front of me here. Yeah. But, you know, it's a, that's the main title of it. If you just Google that, you'll, you'll, you'll find it. Uh, but we interviewed Arlene for our podcast mm-hmm. because we knew that uh, this question came up a lot, like screen time. It comes huge. up all the time in my yeah. practice, right? Yeah. So I have clinics almost every day um, at my uh, practice at Waypoint. And the, the question of screen time always comes up. And usually it's like, you know, how do we reduce screen time? It's never mm-hmm. like, how do we introduce our kids <laughs> to screen time? That question never, ever no. comes up. Uh, it's always like, hey, how can we just like reduce this, you know, perceived addiction yeah. to technology and screen time? And I think we as parents actually pose that question with a degree of guilt ourselves because mm-hmm. we find ourselves drawn to screen times probably more than we like. Mm-hmm. And it is hard to escape the allure of technology. Um, and so you can imagine with kids, it's uh, probably even more so without some of the, you know, the, the breaks that we might have in our, you know, uh, relationship repertoire that's for some kids, uh, it's going to be tough to resist the allure of screen time many kids actually yeah. most kids oh, i would sure. say have difficulty you know with uh, with uh, technology that way 
Yeah. And uh, would you recommend anybody who's even a volunteer with kids or youth? Like that would be a good book to read, do you think? For sure. No, for sure. Like, I mean, uh, because because screen uh, issues are so, you know, ubiquitous, they're everywhere. Uh, the questions come up all the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I think like one of the top one of the points that I made during that, that presentation was, you know, it's nice to have rules for your kids for screen time and technology. But I would challenge every parent to follow the same rules themselves. Oh, it looks so and, hard. And suddenly it's like, oh, <laughs> okay and we yeah. know this of course like but there's not many other things that that we do as parents where you know we have we, we impose the same limitations on ourselves mm-hmm. as we might with for our kids but it sure speaks really really powerfully when we demonstrate and model that for our kids doesn't it it does so <laughs> you know i so i i do think that it's important that we do try to be consistent and mm-hmm. And, and have some principles in place and some guidelines in place and some boundaries or guardrails, whatever you want to call it, about technology use at home. Yeah. But then it's going to be so much more effective uh, if we ourselves follow it. Because unfortunately, I've seen many parents and, and, and counselors and you know youth group leaders are struggling with the same technology mm-hmm. issues as, say, the five-year-old on an iPad. Oh, for sure. Um, and then I know we'll put a link both for that book and also for your podcast and your interview with her. But when you um, had her on your Smart Family podcast, what did you find out of that chat really impacted you the most? Well, I mean, I, of course, we talked about, you know, what are some good limits and what are some good, you know, practical things you can do and how do you reclaim sort of that mm-hmm. non-screen time time with your family um and uh, but but you know I, I what i liked a lot was our discussion really about what are some of the skills that our kids might be losing because mm-hmm. they're spending so much time on skills and she talked about the a plus skills yeah. you know, we talk about a plus as being sort of academic goal to strive towards um but she talked about these a plus almost like relational skills that mm-hmm. we're probably losing. And I see this too. We know that kids are losing some conversational skills. Mm-hmm. We know that their ability to connect face-to-face with people, and this is not just a COVID thing because we're, yeah. you know, we're supposed <laughs> to be careful about <laughs> connecting face-to-face, but this was happening before COVID. You know, the, yeah. the ability to carry on meaningful conversations uh, is starting to diminish in some mm-hmm. of our teenagers who are, uh, you know, who are primarily communicating via texting or through technology somehow. And so um, people are people are noticing that. And so she, I liked how she said, "Let's let's um, focus on some of these other skills." And 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 then she outlined what those are: the five A plus skills. Mm-hmm. And you know they are um, affection, anger management, apology, attention, and appreciation. So you can see they all start with A. That's why they yeah. call her A plus skills. <laughs> and then she kind of went through all of those five skills. And what I like about it is that three of those, at least. Uh, affection, anger management, and attention all have to do with self-regulation. And self-regulation is, you know, from my pediatric perspective, Mm -hmm. one of those core skills and functions of the brain that uh, is so impacted by adverse uh, childhood conditions. Mm -hmm. And so I just also did an episode with with, uh, Russell Barkley, who's one of the foremost ADHD experts, 
uh, in the world, and mm-hmm. we were talking about this. And he, he says, look, ADHD is a diagnosis, but the issue really is around self-regulation. And so the oh. ability to self-regulate yourself emotionally, to regulate your uh, anger, to mm-hmm. regulate how you respond to people and to yourself and to become self-aware, um, to show love and empathy towards others. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is really some of the skills that unfortunately we are losing by you know, uh, uh, more and more technology-dependent and connected world. And so I, I loved how we, we focused on that yeah. uh, with Arlene and those, those five A-plus skills. Yeah, that's fantastic. And what a way to shift your thinking, right, and your perspective instead of just don't do this, but let's work on something instead. Um, so as listeners mm-hmm. are taking a look at their own household now and considering um, maybe those things in screen time, I know we've had some questions left over from that night, but uh, others were wondering what would be an appropriate amount of screen time for ages five and under? And uh, and this is such an interesting thing because I know myself, my kids, when they were that age, it wasn't even an issue. We we didn't really have screens mm. back then, but it is now, right? It's just everywhere. So if you have kids five and under, what um, how, how what is appropriate for them? Well, you know, um, how about zero? I know. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to say that. <laughs> so, so there, here's the thing, right? And uh, you have to think, okay, okay, what's like, you know, what's okay and what's realistic, right? Yeah. And yeah. you know, uh, do do kids under five need screen time? No, you don't mm-hmm. need screen time to learn or develop any part of your brain mm-hmm. uh, or to develop in general. Okay, it doesn't. Even some of the claims about some videos and you know, uh, and and games, video games being educational, are really at best, you know, at most they're wrong. At best, you know, maybe slightly beneficial in mm-hmm. maybe certain groups of mm-hmm. children. Um, but really, there's no reason to rush out and get your kid introduced to technology to make them smarter. Um, and the idea that, okay, well, you know, they have to know how to use technology when they're older. I mean, these devices are just so intuitive. Mm-hmm. Um, I- if your kid doesn't touch, a, uh, you know, an iPhone or a uh, tablet, you know, until they're 12 or 13, honestly, by the time they're 12 and a half or 13 and a half, they'll have figured it out completely. Oh, yeah. like they're so intuitive, it's right? So, so, <laughs> so it's, just, it's just relatively easy to figure out. And, you know, technology, it doesn't need to be introduced early. You know, there's a study out of the UK that showed that just over 50% of 6 to 11-month-olds use a touchscreen daily. And That's so crazy. we know that there are many kids out there now that just are able to use it and do use it. And I find that hard to fathom because, you mm-hmm. know, they can barely sit up and they're already <laughs> using a touchscreen. But that's what the study showed. And, um, and you know, there, there's, there, there's an interactive component to it and things move and, you, and they're, they're, they're designed to keep your attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but really, you know, they unfortunately do condition your mind to expect things to happen very quickly on demand. Um, and there's sort of this unpredictable reward pattern to many of these um, video games and even mm-hmm. educational games that don't really correspond to real life. And so when you're on a tablet all the time and then you migrate to real life experiences, <laughs> you realize that, whoa, my, real life is really boring and moves a lot more slowly and I'm mm-hmm. not sure what to do and how to like manage this and then you dysregulate. 
so that's the problem you know you you look at like some some show on the cartoon network which is fast and frenetic Mm -hmm. and then you compare that to mr rogers which is what kids used to watch you know 20 years ago and you almost fall asleep that's how (laughs) slow it is like molasses (laughs) but but that's also way that's way more you know in sync with real life it is than uh than what baby einstein is showing so zero to five honestly like as, as little as possible if you need to, you know, give your kids some screen time and set them in front of TV to get stuff done or to get a break or to give them a little a little break for whatever or just something mindless to do, by all means, go ahead. If it if you need that to stay sane, especially now, too, like, you know, it's busy mm-hmm. being a parent. You need you need to get other stuff done. Just fine. You use use some screen time, but but don't try and make it sound like they need it. OK, because they yeah. don't. It's, it's just more for you. And it's a little bit of it's reward. True. It's like yeah. it's like candy, right? You, of course, you're not going to withhold all candy from kids. That's crazy. Um, and so screen time is like candy. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> That's such a good know, way to put it, right? It really it puts into perspective. It is candy. <laughs> well, and that's another thing that, that Arlene mentions in our podcast. Yeah. She, so she makes a distinction between digital candy and digital vegetables. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think this is really important, too, now, because, you know, in the pandemic, I mean, I was watching my kids and I started to realize that, whoa, they are using screens now for everything. So just and for for actually good stuff like school. I mean, they had Mm -hmm. to be on the screen to do school during the lockdown. And, you know, and I use a screen at work all the time. It's just no, I'm doing very most of my visit now through telemedicine, uh, which is on a screen. And so we now know, I mean, there are really re- legitimate ways to utilize technology um, for for learning for communicating for keeping up social connections that are that are positive and that are good and that's what Arlene calls digital vegetables yeah right just like you have your candies <laughs> and vegetables you know what you eat you're not going to eat yeah. just candy unless you're elf you know I just watched that yeah. movie and we're the four food oh, groups did you? there <laughs> that is the candies, best candy cane candy corn and Maple syrup. Yeah. Um, but there's more to life than that, right? For most of us, we have to have our vegetables too. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that distinction between this is the video games and the, you know, the sort of mindless social media, I'll call it, that's our digital yeah. candy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, connecting with, with family via social media or using it for school or doing other sort of productive endeavors, um, even just like reading the news or or something that's more educational i mean that's sort of like the digital vegetables right Mm -hmm. and and that's why it's hard to set a limit on screen time now it is yeah because you know you got to tease that apart like that it's much better to start thinking about okay sure technology is here but let's focus more on like what we're using it for and how we're using it as opposed Mm -hmm. to just strictly focusing on a number like this is the amount of screen time that you get yeah so how about um like if you have teenagers Right. Um, just thinking about the candy component and what they're doing for fun. How would you go about maybe structuring or limiting or working with your team to decide what is an appropriate amount for them? Well, you just said like, the key phrase there, Kim, you said with your team, mm. because and this is this was the other part of the talk that I gave at Faith. And just just so you know, like this is what I I'd pitched to to Bill, your youth pastor there, <laughs> Bill Anderson. It's like, yeah. this is what I really want to talk about. He said, well, talk about screen time, talk about screen time. I said, yeah, I know, but I really want to talk about collaborative problem solving. Yeah. And I, so I, I, weaseled it, I weaseled it in my talk. I don't know if you saw that or not. Yeah. But Which is great, I right? really <laughs> wanted to get collaborative <laughs> problem solving or, you know, c- 
collaboratively and proactively solving mm -hmm. problems with your kids in there as a key way to address challenges, not just screen time, but mm -hmm. any challenge with your kids. This is like parenting, you know, key core principle is how, to, you know, and, and, and this is not just for with teenagers, just because at any age, we need yeah. to start thinking about how do we involve our kids in discussing these things. Because if you think that you're you just unilaterally going in and telling your kids, you know, hey, listen, um, you know, no more screen time after this time, and this is the amount <laughs> of hours that you get, um, you're going to have a revolt on your hand. And some yeah. parents will say, like, oh, no, that's tough love, blah, blah, blah. Okay, but that, and, and those solutions never really stick, and they don't really mm -hmm. promote the type of problem solving you want your kids to learn as they become adults themselves. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you don't want husbands and wives functioning like that. Like, that doesn't <laughs> help promote a healthy relationship. No. You don't want um, your work colleagues to function like that in mm -hmm. business or, or, or retail or hospitality industry or whatever sector your kids are, are, are eventually as adults working in. Mm -hmm. um, this is not how we want our politicians to, uh, they do behave <laughs> like that a lot, but we don't really think <laughs> that's very productive, that, no. you know? We want people to work collaboratively on a solution to the issue at hand. So if the yeah. issue is, you know, hey, I noticed that we're all like spending more time on screens when we should be spending more time together. How do we solve that problem? Mm -hmm. Just imagine you and your kids sitting side by side at the table, looking at that problem in front of you together and mm -hmm. saying like, how can we address this issue? And so, you know, the first step of that is, you know, empathic listening. So what are what are the kids' concerns when that comes up? And, and sometimes the kids are like bowled over. They're like, uh, you're actually want to know what I think? Because <laughs> it's such a unique, <laughs> unique thing for them. Yeah. They've never had this before. Uh, yeah, I do. I do want to yeah. know what you think. I want to know what your what your thoughts are. And they may come up with some, you know, crazy reasons and something that's but you may also you never learn know what they're something gonna say. no but and you might find out something how your how your children uh, children think and what's important to them and mm -hmm. and plus they feel listened to and validated and and valued mm -hmm. and and then you know the next step is, is for you to kind of outline your concerns uh and say like well this is this is what i think so this is not just you're not just being pushed over and just do whatever your kids want no that you list your concerns and then the next step is you know Okay, let's brainstorm some ideas. How do we how do we address this issue now that we've listened to each other? Mm -hmm. And then the last part is, you know, to assess and reevaluate and um and, and and make changes, you know. We should mm -hmm. all be open to modifying things, you know. Nothing there's a very few things that should be considered carved in stone when it's sort yeah. of the rules and regulations at the house and the boundaries and the <laughs> and the, you know, guidelines that we've set up. A and I think when you can do that as much as possible and sort of bake that into how your family works mm -hmm. um, from a very early age, it just reduces the conflict and the adversarial tone um, and just makes house more uh, peaceful to live in. And, you know, and it's okay for you to listen to your kids and sometimes to like recognize that they've got something important to say and some, some good ideas and some, mm -hmm. you know, useful uh, <laughs> things to add to the conversation yeah. and to agree with them or to even admit that you're wrong or that you didn't <laughs> see it from that perspective you know Wouldn't yeah that right? really like you know kids would kids would love to to to, to see that and and the the because the, the downside is that if you just kind of go in and impose solutions unilaterally 
unilater unilaterally imposed solutions almost never stick. If mm -hmm. your kid comes up with the solution with you, they're going to be much more accountable to it. They're mm -hmm. going to own the they're going to own that solution. Um, you'd be surprised. It's going to be much more effective. They're going to work much more diligently at trying to make it work than if you had just kind of stuck it to them. So yeah. that's that's how you. I, I think that's how you want to address screen time issues and say, hey, here's the difficulty. Uh, here's the unmet expectation, mm -hmm. um, uh, and 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 let's talk about it, and and uh, in a collaborative way. Yeah, which is fantastic. Um, now to throw in a little like twist, what about when it's the school computer, right? Because there are many um, kids that are using school computers, and even for grade six and up, and parents don't have control over that computer, right? And yes, the kids are using it for homework, but of course, they're also going to use it as an excuse to go on, look at YouTube or whatever. I know they don't have access to tons of things, but they still have some freedom there that the parents don't really have much control over. So I know parents are getting frustrated. And what's a way that they could work through that with their kids, um, knowing that it's not like they can just go in and shut off that laptop or take it away, right? Uh, what would you suggest? Yeah, like, are you talking about, like, using the school computer at home or when they're mm -hmm. using it at school? Yeah. Well, yeah. if they're at home, but, yeah, and at school again, right? Because who knows how long at school that they're spending time on Yeah, yeah, and, you know, and, there's, and there, there's only so much you can do. I mean, yeah. if you're not even physically there at school and it's not your computer and it's part of the, you know, curriculum in a way, um, and it's being monitored by the teacher. I mean, you're not going to go step in and and no. uh, and impose all your <laughs> little solutions. Know, right? And uh, you've come out even if you've come at them collaboratively with your child. Uh, there's only so much jurisdiction that you have at a school. But if they're bringing that computer home, I mean, I think there it's just it's you you have to have some expectations. And um, yeah. and if your kids meet any expectations, fantastic. There's nothing to problem solve, and we've you know it's all it's all going well. But the chances are you're going to have some unmet expectations. Mm -hmm. And then you identify those and say, hey, I, I noticed that, um, you know, when when I ask when you're doing your homework and then I kind of I check the history later on that even I noticed you've been on YouTube way more than your homework. <laughs> and that's how you start the discussion and, say, yeah. and then you say, what's up? And then you listen to them and they, you know, maybe they have a really good reason for it. maybe they'd like, well, there was this YouTube thing about, you know, farms that I want to look up because it's part of my homework project, blah, blah, blah. Right. OK, but or they might say, oh, no, I was really wanting to watch, you know, those TikTok videos by um, Charlie D'Amelio. And so, <laughs> you know, that's really why I was on there. Sorry. And or you might know that already and they've been caught red handed, whatever. Yeah. But you say, like, OK, look, <laughs> look, how 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 are we going to solve this issue? And then mm -hmm. you just go to collaborative problem solving you listen to them and see you hear what they might have to say and then you say well no i don't think you can spend three hours watching tiktok videos <laughs> so you know like because you know there's other stuff to do and yeah. we only have so much wi-fi at our house and you know the uh, mom has to use a laptop for her meeting too mm -hmm. so so there's all these these things that you can come up with like your, your adult concerns and then then say okay let's come up with some creative solutions what mm -hmm. are your ideas? And then there you go. So I, like, I think it's unique for all situations and for every family. That's why it's hard to say, like, this is the rule. This is the, this is the guideline. And that's why I'm, like, really avoiding yeah. being <laughs> hard and fast on, like, 
<laughs> here's here's the limits right and this is how yeah. many hours because i just think every situation is unique for every child and mm-hmm. so yeah so I, I think just approach it from that that perspective yeah and every family's unique right like they really do need to sit down and figure that out and work through it i mean it's hard but it, it's it's good to work through it in the end um, yeah. And I know uh, it's so different, really, this whole um, technology compared to what we grew up with, right? I'm sure you're like me. My parents were always turn off the TV, get outside, right? We were always outside having to stay out until the pretty much the street lights came on. Yep. <laughs> yep. And yep. then uh, as a family, we played games and we did other things. So now um, often, I, even our family, we fall into, well, let's watch a movie together. Because then we're together, yes. right? Yes. So <laughs> would you say that's a better option maybe than uh, just gaming, right? Where they're all gaming individually, maybe in the same room, but then they're not even talking. So I don't know. Um, some unique family yeah, dynamics Yeah, you know there. what? Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, also, I'm also hesitant to, um, you know, uh, always remember the good old days and stuff. <laughs> like, I, I grew up as a kid. I, what you're describing is exactly sort of my experience too now. Yeah. We tend to remember all the good times and not so I much the, the not so good times <laughs> because, you know, there was there was there was there was actually some some real difficulties in those days as well. And oh, I, sure. I remember, you know, when all my messaging was around, don't spend so much time in front of the TV, you know, to spend some time, you know, <laughs> yeah. with um, outside and et cetera, et cetera. So that message yeah. is is ever, ever new in a way. Uh, just the technology has changed. And it's funny now. You're right. Like I find myself sometimes say, "Hey, as a family, why don't you watch TV together?" <laughs> I Whereas I would have railed against that even 20 years ago or 15 years ago. Like, no, yeah. don't do that. It's terrible. You know, it'll rot your brain, et cetera, et cetera, and it'll just, you know, it'll be bad for your family, et cetera. Yeah. But you right. know, now it's almost like, hey, this is a great option for you. So how times have changed in a way. But, you know, there is definitely something to be said for more passive viewing of mm-hmm. movies and of TV shows versus other video games, which are never ending. Mm-hmm. Um, they are always sort of um, um, moving at a, at a very fast pace that keep that really are meant th- they're meant to ad- be addictive. Mm-hmm. And in fact, these video game companies, they hire experts to make them so. And we have to realize, and social media the same way. Um, You know, they really are meant to to capture you and hold your attention, Mm. often beholden to advertisers. And TV was like that too. I mean, you know, the the goal of the TV show was to get commercials in front of your face. Um, (laughs) But it was was much more overt and, you know, we could tune out if we wanted to. And it was was not... not nearly as addictive because you know the next episode didn't come on till next week I know. so you couldn't binge watch <laughs> anything know. and the next tv episode never tuned out you know queued up as you finished one episode and you're on to the next one uh. so it's a it, the, the world has changed and and in a way mm. you know these these big technology companies have just gotten really good at keeping us on our screens um and just like 20 years ago the TV networks were really good at <laughs> making us watch all evening long. That's right. right? Yeah, so sat down and just sat there for a couple hours. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. And so, so people would be spending, you know, four or five hours in an evening watching TV uh, all mm-hmm. night. And then now it's sort of four or five hours on a video game, completely immersed in the, in yeah. the flow, so they speak. 
and uh, in a way, it's not much different. Yeah, that's true, right? So, in thinking of that, what um, we need to take a break from our screens at some point, and how could yeah. somebody develop a healthy digital rest habit? Um, what are some simple steps maybe they could do or, or well, implement? Well, you know, there are a couple of things that that you can do to, you know, to, to set up some habits that that tend to promote sort of a healthier um, digital uh, habits, right? Mm-hmm. So, so we talked about how um, just avoid being always connected and, and having the expectation that you need to answer your text right away. So like turning off just notifications on your phone, right? That's, oh, that's just, so that's hard. just one thing. <laughs> yeah, um, <but laughs> ha- making sure that the phone is not the first thing that you see in the morning and the last mm-hmm. thing you see before you, you know, turn off your nightlight. Uh, so, you know, keep the phones downstairs for charging. Uh, try to keep the devices off at least an hour and a half uh, before bedtime uh, because we, we know this, all the studies have shown that having technology sort of shining in your face in those uh, before bedtime actually keeps you awake. Um, mm. I have so many parents who are saying, oh, you know, we, we just kind of give him the iPad or we turn on the TV just to kind of help him fall asleep. Uh, there is n- evidence to the contrary of that, mm. that it actually keeps you awake to have technology there. And, you know, there are teenagers who sleep with their phones under their pillow because they don't want to miss the buzz oh of, yeah. a, of a new message coming through or who wake up yeah. at night and just check to see if anybody's texted them. Uh, you know, with connections around the world, you know, your phone may never be silent and, um, and mm. you may feel like you always have to answer and connect. Um, and so just, just, just kind of getting that mindset in place. And, and again, doing that as parents yourself will certainly be a good <laughs> example for your teenagers and your kids to do the same thing. I mean, those, those are kind of like the practical things, but there are people who have gone further, like who have really gotten themselves off of technology. I know there's sort of a movement in some parts of the United States. I'm not sure if it's in Canada as well, where it's just like getting your kids phones that aren't as smart, like that are really just for mm. location and, you know, maybe a camera and phone and and, and some simple messaging features uh, for, you know, kind of more for emergency uh, uh, and short term use but not for all the other stuff that that's on there. Right. So this idea of the quote unquote flip phone um, for your kids (laughs) that allows them to stay in touch and have something for emergency purposes, but isn't designed to, you know, keep them on and hooked on uh, throughout the entire day. So, but I, that, that, and then there are people who have done complete sort of digital fasts and breaks. And sometimes you know, we can do that with our kids quite easily by sending them to the camp where there's no phones allowed. Like, you know, yeah. my kids go to camp there in the Muskokas <laughs> up where you are and there's no phones allowed. And for a whole week or two weeks or however long they're going, they're mm. not on a phone. And, you know, almost always they come back and tell me, like, after a day or two, I didn't miss my phone at all. And oh, that's um, so good. I, I think they sense that, you know, hey, life is just so much more stress free and relaxing when we don't have technology at our side all the time. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we took a family vacation just recently and uh, and our, we asked our kids to keep their phones at home. I, I mean, I took mine because we needed it for the maps. And we, th- we yeah. said we'd listen to music on the phone while we're driving in the car. We, it was a camping trip, right? It was coronavirus staycation. <laughs> so we nice. did a camping trip and... Um, 
Yeah. And it was surprisingly good to kind of all get kind of disconnected. And um, and other people I know have gone on camping trips and canoe trips and done the same thing and find it mm-hmm. actually quite rewarding. Um, so that's one way to sort of enforce that. And then, then lastly, you know, you could just force a digital fast. And mm-hmm. if you ever read the book Digital Minimalism, um, he explains in there, I forget the author's name now, but he explains in there how you really just kind of go completely technology free for like a month and then wow. and then have the option to gradually reintroduce what you think is actually useful because there's so much junk on our phones and on our laptops yeah. that you know we <laughs> almost never use and don't really need it's so true right there's just so many apps and things and it's just you never take the time to clean it off it's just there and building and building and building <laughs> yeah and then all of them have like you know do you want notifications you know i and know and it's like and they all want you to turn the notifications on and that's almost like the default it is and almost right. You don't even think of turning them off. I don't yeah, I even realize yeah. it's an option. <laughs> yeah, I went through, you know, uh, uh, about once a year I go through all my emails and just turn off like unsubscribe things mm. I've accidentally subscribed to. And suddenly your mailbox just kind of cleans up. Right. And, yeah. you know, you turn off most notifications, just put on the ones that you really, really feel like, OK, I need to know that when it happens and I want to be notified, but turn everything else off. Mm-hmm. and and get a watch you know to check the time people have found it if you actually get a watch you're actually pulling your phone out of your pocket a lot less because we all know what happens when you pull your phone out of your pocket you look oh there's a text there another text there and <laughs> then better right. check that and suddenly you spend 20 minutes on your phone that you were just going to check what time it was yeah it's so, so true <laughs> you know and then get your kids an alarm clock that's the other thing i say you know because yeah. th- then they don't feel like okay i need my phone for my alarm and then it's mm-hmm. at their bedside and so there you go so just some little simple Tech yeah, those are great. Yeah. That can make a huge difference, right? Yeah. Yeah. And just pick one to start with, yeah. right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, now, I also would love to chat about the Smart Family podcast, and we've referenced it a little bit already. Um, and you do that podcast with Tony Newhoff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just wonder, what was the catalyst to help to begin that? Um, where did it come from, the idea? Was it long oh, in coming? A, or <laughs> yeah, thanks for asking that question, Kim, because um, uh, I, I was just thinking about this the other day. And I so I, I was getting more and more uh, passionate about mental health care, of course, with mm-hmm. my career and my job and uh, how things were moving. And I, I found myself sort of saying very similar things to patients again and again. You know, yeah. the, there were these sort of core topics and principles that I've I learned every family was struggling with mm-hmm. and I thought, ah, oh, man, someday I want to, I would just wish I could just kind of talk about that and sort of catalog those topics and maybe do a podcast. And uh, my wife had been doing a podcast actually at that time as well. Uh, Intersection, it was called, and it was just, you know, great conversations about mm-hmm. life and faith. And, um, and so it was fun kind of seeing her do that. Um, and then, and, and so I said, well, maybe someday I'll do a podcast. And, and I, as I was literally thinking that, like, I remember it was kind of top of mind for, you know, a few months or so. And, uh, Tony and I happened to be at a, at a, a dinner event together and I knew that she was, uh, getting more and more into, um, her uh, career as well as help yeah. marriages and families. And, uh, and so she has uh, been um, busy writing a book called before you split it comes out in january oh, uh, about exciting. just couples who are you know thinking that their marriage may be done and uh, mm-hmm. and what 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 are some things that perhaps they could think about um and so um so she's so she was kind of writing that and finding too that she had these 
key messages and principles she wanted to get out. And so mm-hmm. she kind of turned to me and said, like, hey, Robbie, have you ever thought about doing a podcast? And uh, I said, actually, I have <laughs> just now. <laughs> uh, in fact, just recently. And so so she, so that's where it was born, this idea of, well, let's start up a, a podcast that could really help uh, families. Yeah. And so the episodes on the podcast are really sort of on two tracks. There is a parenting track, which mm-hmm. is things that help, you know, with parenting and kids. And then there's the relationship track. Say, how do we help the marriage? And of course, those two things are so intertwined. Oh, totally. um, Because a a healthy marriage makes for healthy parents and Mm -hmm. vice versa. So, um, so yeah, so we're, we're both passionate sort of about those two angles that we bring to it. Tony is a, a is trained as a lawyer and as a, as a mediator. And so she has spent a lot of times with with couples that have been been struggling and marriages that have been um, uh, really having some significant issues and Mm -hmm. deeper issues. And and then I, in my line of work with kids and families and uh, the same and and really some of the very same same issues as well. So we um, so, yeah, so we we started it up that way and we're about (laughs) well, we're just our first year in now. We have I think we're just doing episode 28 or 29 now. Oh, and, um, That's so good. Really, really enjoying it and be getting some really great feedback uh, oh, about great. it as well. Yeah. Yeah. I know I've enjoyed listening to it and I love that it's it's different content, right? And it is both parenting and, and relationship advice. Um, yep. So I highly recommend it for our listeners. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I think they'll enjoy it. It's so good. Yeah, and it's a nice variety too. And, you know, it, 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 there's definitely maybe in some of the episodes a bit of a faith angle to it because you know we Just we bring our lives into it and that's that is part of our lives as well mm-hmm. um but you know many are many of the episodes are really very you know applicable no matter where where you are on that whole right. um spirituality and faith um situation so uh i think these are just these are just such you know core principles for any family uh, mm-hmm. to think about and some ideas yeah. uh, on the podcast that are going to be applicable to your situation. So yeah, hopefully people do check it out and find it useful. And uh, we're always looking for feedback and ideas too. So uh, oh, great. do yeah. connect with us. Yeah. Do you have lots already pre-recorded, or do you guys just quickly release them? Do you have a fast turnaround? Well, we 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 usually have about a month or two of episodes sort of mm-hmm. ready to go. Uh, we don't like to cut it too close. Um, I know. But it's <laughs> been uh, so the you know COVID has made it a bit more challenging mm-hmm. uh, in terms of getting getting the guests together uh, yeah. uh and getting ourselves even together i mean yeah. uh, just our last episode i was actually self-isolating because of a potential COVID <laughs> exposure and we had to sort of you know rethink our zoom interview oh, no. uh, yeah. on the other hand you know many uh speakers out there who have platforms and topics to talk about you know have found all of their sort of conferences completely disappear and speaking engagements have all gone virtual (laughs) and so uh, talking about their passion and interests of various topics and issues on a on a podcast has really um, been a great alternative to get the messages out there so in one way it's not it's Mm -hmm. been more easy to get uh, you know guests on the show and talking about some mm-hmm. of these awesome I- ideas and, and topics um, but the pandemic has also certainly changed the whole nature of podcasting I think yeah it's true right like even though this year has drastically changed uh, there are some things that have come out that are really neat right and that we can kind of pivot and do differently and myself too I've been able to do way more podcasts than I would have anticipated 
Um, in fact, mm-hmm. I think this one is our episode 20. So oh, uh, it's kind of neat. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm so but glad to hear that you are doing this as well. And I, I think what you're doing as well is such a great uh, a resource for, for oh, church, thanks. you know, leaders and, 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 and people who just want to f- find out more about, uh, about the issues that you talk about. So it's, it's been, been great. Yeah. Thank you so much. That's so great. Um, well, and also for this year, what are some ways, um, outside of podcasting and speaking and being a doctor that you've had some time to maybe refresh and get renewed and just even to stay healthy during this time? Oh, Kim, that is, that is a really good question because it's very easy to kind of, you know, get sucked into work world Mm -hmm. and to forget about your own mental health. And uh, even though I talk mental health every single day, you know, (laughs) for hours and hours on end, uh, I have to look after my own mental health too. Yeah. And unfortunately, I have a, a spouse who, um, you know, knows about that principle uh, very mm-hmm. well. She's all into wellness uh, and is specifically physician. Wellness is a, is a big passion of hers uh, mm-hmm. in our career. She's a physician as well. And right. so yeah. we we do realize that, you know, looking after our own mental health and being able to, you know, regulate ourselves is uh, is key. So for me, I mean, I do I do love going out for exercise. I I'm a cyclist, uh, I, but okay. this year I said I'm going to change up and then I'm going to start running. Oh, and nice. So I'm I, a uh, runner. Oh, are you? Okay. So <laughs> in the spring. I say I'm a runner, but I'm not amazing. <laughs> well, no, no, but that's good. You do what you do and do what yeah. you can do and just yeah. do it. Like I find there's many people in life who say like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this someday. And then, you know, it never yeah. happens. And uh, the pandemic was hopefully for many people a catalyst to just kind of do something they'd never mm-hmm. done before. One fun yeah. thing that we did with my kids is, um, you know, there was no events to go to anymore. Like, there was no, no. sports <laughs> events, right? So you kind of <laughs> had to make your own up. And uh, so my, I, I remember we got our kids out one day, and I have, you know, three sort of girls, and they're at, so they're now 12, 14, and 15. And, um, but, you know, six months ago, we said, hey, let's go for a long walk. In fact, let's go and walk a marathon in one day. We oh walked the 42 kilometers of a marathon <laughs> and oh we still laugh about it and <laughs> think about it. And we got some great pictures of us, you know, coming oh back man. up the driveway after I think it took us about 10 hours. So That's we left a that, long yeah. day. <laughs> and it was a, and we just walked all through town and we logged it on Strava, you know, one of those oh sports uh, social apps. And uh, and it was our 42 kilometer walk. So <laughs> so that wow. was so that was just. We just kind of made it up on the spot and we just set out and did it. And um, those are the kinds of experiences that I think we'll never forget. So, yeah. Yeah. So for so me, good. it's been exercise. This, this <laughs> you know, during the pandemic keeps me sane. I get this mm-hmm. the paddleboard out sometimes and find some calm oh, water nice. to paddle on. And um, yeah. and so that's that's always fun. But yeah, that's uh, and then, you know, we and then we do some mindless stuff, too. You know, we, we yeah. have a a favorite TV show that Rose and I will sit down and watch after, you know, the kids are in bed, although they're teenagers now, so they're going to bed later than us. But yeah, that's changed, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, even for couples too, like the whole date night thing, like where could you go now for date? There's no restaurants. There's no movies. There's no concerts or shows. Nothing. And so you have to get creative (laughs) and say, okay, we still got to carve out time for ourselves. And, um, you know, I give a lot of credit to my wife, Rose, who, who really, 
he really put makes that a priority as well and oh good and um unfortunately sometimes uh, she's more the planner for that kind of stuff than <laughs> i am but we both benefit from it hugely for sure to still keep that keep that date night in there yeah so especially yeah with teenagers we find the same we have to plan a date night now because they're not necessarily in bed before eight o'clock they're up later than us so we uh just during covid we would get takeout and then go park at a park yeah. or, or somewhere right and so yeah. in our car it's like okay let's bring our condiments let's bring you know our napkins whatever else we need and just yeah. find a nice sunset <laughs> yes no that sounds that sounds great uh, uh, yeah. th- those are those are th- th- you know those are some things that's and that's what makes the pandemic different too right you um, yeah. you you just you're just experimenting with with different ways to you know keep your family going and keep your relationships mm-hmm. going and uh you just got to get creative sometimes and and that's okay and who knows maybe we'll like you said before you know we'll take some of these things into the future with us i think yeah. there, there's going to be some positive things that come out of the pandemic and um you know i i know families are struggling and i don't want to minimize that whatsoever no. and you know like i mentioned earlier you know we had a real um dangerous times with COVID already mm-hmm. and we're on the other side of that now so I don't again I'm not minimizing it at all but I do think that we're going to see some positive things come out of this as well and let's hope we cling to those um, yeah. and are able to you know heal ourselves from some of the negative things that come have come out of it as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering for our volunteers that are listening and those that we're serving in the local church and everything's kind of changed, but you know, mm-hmm. they definitely still, those that worked with kids or youth, I'm sure they still have a passion for them, even if they're not seeing them every week. But um, what advice would you give them maybe to encourage them um, and any maybe little things that they can do to reach out? So for, for youth leaders, you're talking about youth or kids workers, or even those that work with students, right. In university and college. I mean, yeah. So yeah. first of all, Thank you so much for those those individuals. Like I know as a father of three kids, I'm so thankful mm-hmm. for the youth leaders that have built into my kids' lives. So mm-hmm. know that what you're doing is valued and so, so, so necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in this pandemic, you know, the group of, of people that, you know, have really struggled a lot and I probably will struggle uh, for quite some time is the young is the is the younger kids you know for mm-hmm. whom many supports and social supports everything were taken away and the pandemic has been quite difficult I and I know that the other spec end of the spectrum is our, our elderly have also really really struggled in long-term care homes and I again don't want to minimize that at all but I know that youth especially you know when schools ended and were closed and we we just their world kind of just ground to a, a rapid halt and many of those life experiences that are just part of childhood and the teenage years especially mm-hmm. just evaporated it did so yeah. um to have you know youth leaders still connecting with uh with kids and with the kids that they would normally be serving in kids ministries in churches and in youth groups um to have them still be able to connect on whether it's on Zoom or just by texting or by a phone call or, mm-hmm. a, a, or a safe visit, anything, you know, it just means so much to kids. I like I, I could think of an example in my family again where, you know, we know a young woman who is um, who, you know, she's she's amazing. 
and she has uh, she does a lot of fitness work herself and she just said and reached out and said like hey i want to mentor some um, some teenagers i really have a heart That's and passion so for teenagers yeah. and you know and we said well you know my kids they like working out they like fitness too and so she's put together this whole fitness routine for them and oh, she amazing. texts them and encourages them and they text her back and and and, yeah. and they just are proud of what they've done and you know mm. that's uh, that's just an example of someone who is uh, and this is not her career like this is just something that she's passionate about and yet she's mm -hmm. investing so much time in our kids that is so meaningful and so valuable mm -hmm. and um and i can think of many more examples like that of of uh, you know young women and young men who really just care and want to be part of uh, other you know of kids lives and and build them up and 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 just set them on a strong foundation for a, a great future and maybe it's because of some stuff they've gone through themselves as kids that they mm -hmm. want to you know either you know improve or build on um and they just know about that and they just want to help other kids or whatever it is whatever their motivation is it's it's fantastic and you know camps ground to a halt you know those day camps yeah. and summer camps that um, so many kids it was part of their childhood you know that didn't happen this summer and so we got my kids are so excited about reconnecting again with camp and i really hope it happens this this summer mm -hmm. it's Me i know too. it's uh, things are gearing up i'm i'm positive yeah. i'm hopeful <laughs> um i know it might be a little bit different but you know i think there will be some sort of sort of camps again this this year and uh and uh, so those volunteers that are out there you know thank you for 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 stepping into those roles again and uh, and and becoming the camp counselors because that's mm -hmm. so many kids need that so thank you yeah and i love what you said about um that person using their skills they love to work out right and using that to reach out that's so encouraging and uh, inspirational really for those that are listening maybe they have a skill something they love to do right and they could find some youth to mentor and to reach out that way because it's different than our typical Sundays and serving or midweek everything's changed yeah yeah no I, I think we should all sort of look inside ourselves and say like hey what do I have to offer and what skills do I have and you know whether it's sports or some sort of craft skills or you're you know a, a, a nature lover or mm -hmm. you like canoeing or whatever it is like these are some things hey just when you have an opportunity somehow some way and of course we have to make sure we follow the covid guidelines and everything like that yeah. but you know there are ways you can just get creative and share those skills with uh, with other kids and uh, and and get them out there and and this is a good way to get them you know away from their technology too yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and staying fit and helping them to, you know, develop healthy habits, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, help them for the rest of their lives. And may maybe it's just, you know, sending an inspirational message via text uh, to to some kids that you were looking after as a youth leader before mm -hmm. um, or, or doing an online Bible study or devotional with them whatever uh, is, is these are just some things and, and work with their parents of course you know if yeah. it's especially if it's younger kids so that they know what's going on too and they're part of that <laughs> circle as well but you know it's just there are just so many things we can all encourage each other and i think churches actually are in a unique position to be that sort of hub for that kind of activity mm -hmm. that kind of sharing and and sharing you know you know compassion and empathy 
to those that are that are in need for sure and kids and youth are definitely in need at this time i know i'm seeing a lot of kids struggle now that we're kind of grinding through you know month eight or whatever it is of the pandemic um it's 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 a slog and i know we've got a vaccine on the horizon and maybe by the time this airs you know we're we'll be vaccinating people and you know things may be sort of slowly easing back to a sense of normalcy but you know some of the effects are going to be felt for years Mm -hmm. and decades after so so moving forward then in ministry as a church um in everything that we've gone through with technology and now it's so integrated in our parts how could a church how can we help people with any technology addictions or or learning limits or working through some of those issues um is there some ways that we as a church can step up to help families yeah, like I think you in general, you just want to be supportive and not be shaming and mm-hmm. um, and blaming. Uh, I think, you know, we all recognize that addictions uh, exist. So if we're talking about like true addictions mm-hmm. and uh, we know technology can be addictive in that way. Uh, in fact, it's an official diagnosis now is uh, I think okay. Internet gaming addiction is the official title. But, you know, I, yeah. I think we all recognize that that's generalizable to other online activities as well and technology mm-hmm. activities but um it's not just gaming but you know so for sure if there's if there's addictions you know we as a as a church need to recognize that and just also ask ourselves more like just dig down to the next layers like why are why is that person or why is that addiction actually occurring what void Mm. or what need is that filling and where does that come from and uh, you know usually there are experiences and there's a story behind the story that needs to be addressed and this is just a symptom of something else that has that has um you know gone awry in that person's life some stressor Mm -hmm. or some event or some trauma that uh, this addiction is in a way a coping mechanism or a defense mechanism for something that they're struggling with i i i I see that in many ways that behaviors that we see whether addictive Mm -hmm. behaviors or other behaviors or any externalizing behaviors or anger issues i mean those are behaviors that we see that have developed in response to something and Mm. you know to that Mm. person that behavior might might make a hundred percent sense as a way of coping with with whatever it is and i think we as people with loving and compassion and a real wanting to understand and help should mm-hmm. be coming alongside people like that and and uh, and say like hey what what is it that makes you f- you know go there to to fill some kind of need or some void uh, mm-hmm. in your life and then let's maybe talk about that because you know just kind of setting limits or or putting the foot down or going to some kind of boot yeah. camp or some rehab <laughs> program or whatever it is Gosh. you know um there's there's some of those sort of quick and things that might seem easy uh, are actually not that effective mm-hmm. unless we really get down to like what's at the root of all that and yeah. so i think that's that's where churches can come in as well um to really to really come come al- alongside people and figure out what where does this come from yeah, that's so great uh, to think about that. I think that'll definitely give churches something to think about moving forward and how we can help everybody and showing them love. Um, I was just wondering too, and I had put this in our questions, but what is one verse or passage that you find encouraging right now? 
Mm. Well, this time, I, I, I mean, I like, um, I like passages that really instill sort of a sense of calm and peace. You mm -hmm. know, for me, um, the Bible is a source of, of calm. Um, mm -hmm. Although I know there's many stories that are not calm, but you <laughs> know true. there are definitely <laughs> lots of passages that yeah. talk about that. And you know the classic one is "Be still and know that I am God." Mm -hmm. And sometimes I just need to remind myself. And uh, Psalm 46. Um, and so, you know, just just take moments and just be quiet and breathe. Mm. I, I teach so many kids and teenagers just how to breathe because it is the one thing that is so core to our existence and survival that we can actually consciously control now, it's very hard mm -hmm. to control your heart rate but one of the basic <laughs> things about your life in your physiology that you can control your breathing mm. is just so important and we can really calm ourselves down by just just breathing in and out doing that like four or five or six times just a big big breath in and just being still opening up your yeah. mind and then just pondering something as amazing as god in the universe around you in that stillness i think there's nothing that's more kind of you know calming and comforting than that Mm -hmm. that's amazing and what a great tip even just to breathe right as you're thinking of scripture and god and that really would be refreshing and just help you to refocus, right? Get it your just brings you back, back to the here and now, right? If you think yeah. about anxiety, yeah. anxiety is often rooted in the future that we can't predict or the past that we can't mm -hmm. change. And just thinking about the present moment and what is it, like, let's just come back to here and now because that's the one thing that I do have control over. And mm -hmm. anxiety is all about, you know, what you can control. It's the present. So come back to the present moment and just be still and if you know uh, if you can just think about the amazing god who made the universe around you and yeah. that that should instill a sense of wonder and awe and also just some perspective yeah. and a sense of purpose and meaning too yeah that's amazing rob i think that's so encouraging and i really think that our listeners are going to get so much out of that um, and then if they wanted to connect with you, is there a best way that they could do that or find you? Are you on social media or email? Yeah, the, the, I mean, the best way is just through the Smart Family Podcast platform oh, or on Instagram. Uh, we love getting feedback and comments on Instagram. Uh, we are also on Facebook and we are also on our website, the smartfamilypodcast.com. And then, uh, of course, on the, on the podcast platforms, right? So you can leave a review there yeah. and any comments on there. Again, uh, that, that's, that's the best way to reach us and to see what's going on. I, of course, I am at my clinic and Waypoint yeah. for Mental Health Care. Um, but, you know, if you're kind of in another province or another <laughs> state or wherever you might be around the world, it might be a little bit difficult to find yeah. me there. But uh, in general, just through social media, through those platforms that I just talked about, that's the best way to find out what's going on with um, with mental health care and parenting and all these topics that and we talked about today. Else. Yeah, that's amazing. And we'll have links for the, all of those on our show notes so people can check them out there and, and click over and check out your podcast and everything mm -hmm. that you guys are up to. So thank you so much, Rob, for being on today. Kim, it was a pleasure and uh, anytime. Yeah, great. <laughs> 
For our listeners, I know that most of our conversation was focused on families, but I hope that you were encouraged in whatever circumstances to set healthy limits for yourself and find creative ways to move forward and encourage others around you. Now, at the beginning of the podcast, I invited you to stick around to the end of this episode to hear about how we're changing some of our plans as we look ahead in ministry. Sadly, I have to announce that we will not be going ahead with our 412 Canada conference as planned. However, we have a unique opportunity to still equip you and encourage you using this podcast. We will be making a few changes that will allow us to connect with you and invite you to be part of our conversation. We're excited about all the guests that will be on this spring, and we don't want you to miss out on any of these equipping opportunities coming up. So make sure that you follow us at 412 Canada and watch for details coming in April. Be sure to also check out our show notes for links to resources like the Smart Family Podcast and ways to connect with Rob, who we had on on this episode. I hope that our time together has equipped you, and I'm looking forward to next time on the 412 Canada Podcast. Thanks for listening to the 412 Canada Podcast. We hope this episode has equipped you for greater influence through serving. Remember to subscribe to our podcast and consider leaving a review on the app you use. The 412 Canada Podcast is a ministry of Faith Baptist Church in Huntsville, Canada. Explore everything 412 Canada at 412.ca. Thanks again for spending time with us. See you next time.